Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Mind your business with the breakfast huddle only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It's time now for Mind Your Business. Global market intelligence firm International Data Corporation, or IDC, predicts that by the year 2025, nearly 30% of data generated will be real-time. Meanwhile, 40% of spending on data capture and movement technology in the Asia-Pacific, excluding Japan, will be on streaming data pipelines that enable a new generation of real-time simulation optimization and recommendation capabilities. However, the region witnessing exceptional growth in the adoption of data-driven cloud technologies, our next guest, Datastax, has set ambitions to become the secret weapon of enterprises and CIOs. Now, helping companies mobilize and activate their real-time data to quickly build the smart, high-scale applications required to become data-driven businesses. So what are the company's plans to achieve this particular ambition and why is real-time data more important than ever now? On the line with me is Deb Duta, who is General Manager, Asia-Pacific and Japan Data Stacks. Good morning, Deb. Good morning. How are you today? Very good. To start us off, um, could you help us understand the company Data Stacks a little bit more? What are some of the products and services that you guys offer? So Data Stacks, we are a Silicon Valley growth stage unicorn, Goldman Sachs, uh, EDBI Singapore Investment. Um, our primary purpose is to help developers and enterprises by providing an open platform for real-time data and insight that just works. The key operative word is open platform because uh, we've built our company based on open source technologies. And uh, like you mentioned at the introduction, there are two elements of data. There's data at rest and there's data in motion. Data is at rest is a typical database. And uh, we built our database technology on a very popular open source project called Cassandra. And the, the second part of the data element is data in motion, i.e. streaming. And we built our capabilities based on another very popular open source project called Apache Pulsar. So these are the fundamental technologies on which we have built our solutions and offerings. And we make this available to enterprises of all shapes and sizes around the world. Uh, Deb, I'd like to get your thoughts on how the ID sector in our region, uh, or the APAC region, has grown over the past few years. Yeah, so APAC is kind of a, like a runaway train, right? Uh, for every kind of business in every segment, Asia-PAC has grown in leaps and bounds, and in many instances, even overtaken Europe. No business is impacted as much as by technology. So technology and technology companies in APAC have grown dramatically. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One is the proliferation of end devices, i.e. cell phones and tablets. And we see that in every country in APAC, this has grown dramatically. The second is the very broad and deep adoption of cloud technologies. And these are not only spearheaded by the three large hyperscalers, i.e. AWS, Microsoft Azure, and uh, Google Cloud Platform, but also there are tons of local cloud providers that have made their ground in Japan, in Korea, in China, in India, in Indonesia, even in Singapore. So cloud and the adoption of cloud has been a big cause of uh, adoption of these technologies. And the third is just the growth in the population of Gen Zs. 
and their natural affinity to use mobile technologies. And that is why every um, e-commerce platform, every retail uh, platform, every consum- anything to do with consumerism is heavily application-driven, and the Gen Z are driving it. So these are the three things that uh, we see as primary drivers for proliferation of these new age technologies and platforms across the Asia Pacific. Hmm. Actually, on the back of, uh, you know, you were talking about uh, the adoption of cloud and, of course, uh, the emergence of data centers. What are your thoughts on, I mean, if you had to give a report card, how has the IT sector coped with the demands as a result of COVID-19? Oh, well, uh, you know, we are we are kind of struggling in a, in a good way, right? Because what, what has happened since the advent of COVID is that the speed acceleration of this adoption of mobile technologies and web-based technologies and these kind of high-growth applications have just skyrocketed. Now, in some cases, like let's, let's take, for instance, Zoom communication, right? Uh, there has been a bit of a leveling off as people started to get back to office and get back to work. But one thing is very clear, that the adoption of mobile communication and technologies which support mobile communication skyrocketed right after COVID happened. And that trend has continued even when life has thankfully normalized to some extent. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Uh, Deb, let's talk about real-time data. Could you give us an example of of real-time data and and where it's being used? Real-time data from our standpoint has two primary plays. The first play is it definitely enhances business agility within organizations. And that organization would be in any sector, in any space, in any country, right? Um, By business agility, we mean in the moment insight, right? In the moment insight, in the moment information about the state of the business rather than batch processed view of yesterday's information, which used to be the de facto standard before real-time data came into, into place. The second area where real-time data is being used very intelligently by data-driven companies is in driving customer experience. Um, I, I give you an example. So let's say you are uh, ordering coffee on a mobile application and you are told how long it is going to take for the coffee to be ready so that you can plan accordingly. You, you are told which are the outlets which have the kind of coffee option that you're looking for. And once you've done ordering, you receive an, uh, an updated information as to how long it will take for the coffee to be ready so that you can walk over and get it. Another example, let's say you're, you're buying something on an e-commerce site, uh, and you, when you're buying something, you are, you are given a recommendation uh, that, hey, you're buying this item, and people who bought this item normally bought this other item along with it. So it's a recommendation for you to consider, which could be to your shopping experience. This happens in not just e-commerce side, but it also happens in streaming video sites, right? You you go and watch a particular movie or a particular to- show, and uh, you are given a recommendation. Hey, people who watch the show also watch that, this other show. So basically, uh, real-time data is enabling uh, organizations to attach more to their customer, increase the customer's stickiness, and to engage their customers and build new revenue models. So in very simple form, these are the two areas, inward and outward, which uh, organizations are being very well served with real-time data and insights. 
So consumer demand is very crucial here. I'm wondering though, like as a consumer, if I'm looking at real-time data, for example, my ride-hailing app, uh, the car is supposed to arrive in five minutes, but it arrives in 10 minutes. So the data is not accurate. How much of an impact does competition play? You know, people who are able to provide more accurate real-time data. See, at the end of the day, technology has progressed to a level where we can provide inputs with highest level of accuracy, right? But we operate in a multifunctional world. So while technology can be predictive, I'll take that right-hailing example that you gave. When the application says that uh, that your your cab is going to come in five minutes, it's, it's, it's basing that decision on hundreds, thousands, millions of data points uh, on how long the car takes to travel under those traffic conditions in a particular city at a particular point in time, right? Uh, but it doesn't mean that it'll be 100% accurate, not because of the fallacies of the technology, but because of the fallacies of the other factors. There could mm. be a sudden, there could be a road, road works going on in a mm. particular road, or there could be uh, a procession happening for, for whatever reason. But still, you see the ride-hailing company can provide phenomenal customer experience uh, when uh, a ride-hailing company says, hey, your cab is going to come in five minutes. If the cab doesn't come in, five, in within 10 minutes' time, we'll give you a $5 rebate. <laughs> and you see that in most ride-hailing applications, right? So you as a customer, when you're looking at your cell phone and make, making that decision on how well the, uh, the ride-hailing company is serving you, you're seeing that, hey, it's trying to give you accurate information. But if it fails on that service level, then they are going to compensate you in some other way, i.e. the $5 voucher. This is what I mean. You know, technology is helping these customers or these organizations drive stickiness with their customers, which is a huge thing in today's hyper-competitive world. No, I mean, and, and you know, how customers are hyper-demanding as well. Yeah. Um, and real-time data is, is something I think we're getting very used to. Um, Deb, what are your thoughts on banks, you know, around the world? Do, do they understand real-time data? Are they using it the right way and engaging the customers the right way? Okay, so that's a great question. I have a bit of a contrarian view on that. Okay. The banks or the financial services, the, the legacy financial services institutions are trying to kind of catch up, right? Because they were slow in adopting new age technology. And that is why you have this large prevalence of fintechs. The fintechs are basically coming mm. as agile companies and take grab part of their market, part of the market share that was owned by these uh, legacy banks uh, just by using technology smartly and reducing the cost of engagement with the end customer. Right? And so I would say that the fintechs are the trailblazers of, uh, of what, we, what we are doing with technology and servicing the end customer. I mean, in, in Singapore, you look at companies like Endowers, you look yeah. at companies like, uh, who are doing so well, and I, and I mentioned Endowers because they use data taxes technology, uh, they are creating a different level of, of customer experience and service levels uh, because of smart usage of technology, which is A, making them efficient, B, increasing customer stickiness, and C, reducing the cost of engagement with the customer, right? Mm. Without, without making any compromises on quality of service. So the banks are, are ramping up and responding to it. Uh, banks like DVS have become more of digital institutions 
institutions run rather than financial institutions. And it's great to see that uh, the banks are trying to uh, pick up speed and adopting technology. Because at the end of the day, if they don't operate like a technology company, financial services companies will be lagging behind. Yeah. The fintechs are operating like technology companies today. Deb, what would you advise businesses who are looking to adopt or, or to look at more real-time data? Do you have other examples of companies who have done this very well? Actually, we are very fortunate that we are dealing with different companies, uh, both in the legacy space as well as the cloud-native space across the Asia-Pacific. And when we talk to them and as we engage with them, we see a few factors uh, that help in the journey to building real-time applications. And they are as following. Number one, simplicity. Uh, We are trying to make that entire adoption and evolution and the journey into real-time applications as simple as possible, at least from a technology perspective, which the technologies that we deliver are data sets. So simplicity is first. The second is massive innovation that only open-source technologies provide without any vendor lock-in. And I mentioned that we are a very open source, 100% open source technology-based company. And uh, when you have open source, basically what it means is the whole world collaborates mm-hmm. to innovate, yeah. on, innovate on that technology. And you don't have to depend on one vendor or be locked in by one vendor. So uh, that's the second area. The third area is uh, flexible support for development tools, data models, and API connectivity. You know, they're, they're, today it's very difficult to get skilled programmers. And when you get a, a skilled programmer, you can't tell him that, hey, you can't use these tools. You can use only these tools to build applications for a particular organization. You need to give them the full flexibility and uh, of using any tool that they want, right? And our technology enables, enables that flexibility for, for developers for any kind of data models they want, and we provide a very broad range of APIs, which is basically gateways to connect their programs with the data store. So we provide flexibility at all these levels, so it's easier for organizations to create developer velocity. Mm. The fourth um, thing is elasticity and economics that the cloud provides. And we talked about the cloud earlier on. The cloud has definitely accelerated the adoption of real-time applications and implementation of real-time applications at scale, right, Uh, without having to worry about the total cost of ownership. So TCO is the fifth factor, right? You have to be able to get TCO advantage even when the application usage is scaling. And this this used to be a huge problem in the past. And thanks to cloud technologies, uh, even smaller businesses can ramp their number of users on an application without getting hit by tremendous and humongous costs, right? So these are the five things that DataStax works extremely hard with all our enterprise and enterprise customers and developers to make that journey to the cloud and that journey to real-time applications as simple as possible. I've been speaking with Deb Duta, who is General Manager, Asia-Pacific and Japan at Datastax. Deb, appreciate your time this morning. Take care and have a great day. Thank you very much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.